Hello, my name is Amina Dore, Public Education Coordinator at the Sexual Assault Support Center of Ottawa. You're listening to Voices Must Be Heard, a podcast centering and empowering the voices of young survivors of gender-based and sexual violence. This podcast sheds light on the firsthand experiences and accounts of survivors navigating their healing journey, discussing the realities of trauma, societal pressures, barriers, and challenges, and learning what healing and taking your power back can look like. We're honored and privileged to create a safe space for survivors to tell their story, and we hope this podcast can be a safe space for listeners as well. This podcast will be discussing topics around gender-based and sexual violence, trauma, and may depict graphic descriptions of said topics. If you're feeling overwhelmed or impacted by the stories shared, please call Sask Ottawa's 24-7 support line at 613-234-2266. If you're looking for information about our services, please visit our website, saskottawa.com forward slash services. To get real-time updates on our community services, follow us at at SaskOttawa or at Sask Young Women Program on all platforms. Links and descriptions of services will be provided in the show notes. All right, Agape, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time out to give people the opportunity and the privilege to hear your story. I think it's a very great opportunity for you, but also for people who are listening, who are at any kind of portion in their healing journey to kind of be inspired by your words. So thank you. No worries. Thanks for having me here. It's awesome. Yeah. And I just wanted to, before going to some of the details of your story, just wanted to check in and see how you're doing right now and yeah, how you're feeling right now. Honestly, I'm feeling great. (laughs) Pretty good. I do. I'm quite stressed because of school, but everything else, perfectly fine. So. And what made you feel like you were ready to do something like this? I know it's one thing to be okay with the story within yourself, but then to take the step to talk about it publicly, what, what made you feel like this was the right time for you? Mm-hmm. I've always like, I've never really been someone to hold in my feelings or like bottle it up. I like to talk to people who I know will be able to understand me and understand my situation. So I've just always been a, a pretty talkative person, even though probably not the best thing in a lot of situations. But so I want people to know that there are other people out there who also feel the same thing. So it's it's a good thing to talk about how you're going and your situations that you're in. Yeah, maybe you want to talk about, you know, from the beginning, like what you experienced to again up to now that you're ready to, you know, share your story and and be at that place. So, yeah, if you wanted to go forward. Yeah, I'd say that um, ever since I was like very little, like I've always had a more, how can I say, a more like exaggerated boobs and butt and stuff like that. So it's drawn a lot of attention like not only in Canada, but like back where I came from and like other places that I've been. And I've always had like moments where I've been sexualized because of that in different areas and places that you wouldn't even think that someone is looking at you or treating you differently because of how you look. So I've had a lot of situations where I just feel uncomfortable or something has actually been done to me that I feel uncomfortable. So that's really all. Um, I won't dive like right into it, but yeah, I've definitely had some situations that should not be good. And I've definitely been blamed for a lot of these situations that are not even my fault. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like being overly sexualized or objectified at a very early age. And at the time when you were experiencing that, did you understand it to be that way? Or what was your perception at the time? 
experiencing that? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I my mom, she taught me a lot from a young age, which honestly, I'm very grateful for because it made me very wary and very like open minded to like how men can treat you and how like some things can happen that are out of your control. So I'm really grateful for her. She taught me a lot of these things that made me aware, even as a young age that, oh, this is not right. And I should go to my mom if something like this happens. So I'm really happy for that. I was very, I've always been aware ever since I was a kid that, oh, this isn't okay. You're sexualizing me and stuff like that. Like I was never hidden from the fact that sexuality exists. So, yeah. And that's a, that could be a, you know, a different experience from others where they were either not given that information or they weren't given that level of protection or understanding of what was going on. But yeah, how did you navigate that even like emotionally, like experiencing things like objectification or over-sexualizing, especially at such a young age where, you know, you're just trying to be a child, you're being a kid, you don't necessarily think about those things or at least don't want that at the forefront of your mind, right? So emotionally, like how did you navigate that? It definitely took a toll on me emotionally and not even just emotionally, but like also physically and like the way that I dress because I would cover up so much. I remember when I was a child, not that long ago, but this was like in high school, I think in seventh grade, where I was going to track and field. And I literally, it was a hot summer day, maybe like 40 degrees. And I was wearing a whole jacket, like a like a sweater and jeans to a track and field meet because I just didn't want to show off my assets because I didn't want that over-sexualization again. So it messed with my mind a lot. It made me do things that little kids should not be doing. You should feel free in your own body and stuff like that. But as I grew up, you know, my mindset started to change. I started to embrace more of what I have. And even though I'm still sexualized, obviously, I now know how to cope with it better. It's not my fault. So I now kind of like move the blaming to myself to like the person who did it, obviously, because you should be able to control yourself. It shouldn't be my fault that I'm wearing, you know, a skirt or shorts that you can't be able to control yourself around women who do that or any gender. Mm -hmm. And at that age range, when you were experiencing a lot of that, like objectification and over-sexualization, did you feel like you had peers around you who understood? Like, how did you talk about it with like your friends or, or was it something that felt like very isolating? I, once again, very grateful for my family because they just always, always, always helped me with situations like that. And I would tell them, Every single thing that happens, like every situation I would tell them and they just make me feel better in like an instance. So it would mainly be my family. I just talk them through it. They'd help me understand that it's not my fault, you know, and I don't have to cover myself up. Right. Like I don't have to do all that. I should be able to be free. I should be able to be happy in my own body. As for my friends and my peer, like it was kind of hard because when I was younger, I didn't really have friends that like looked like me. I had a, I lived in like an area that was, you know, not an area that I typically would say belonged in, even though I shouldn't be feeling like that. But um, just couldn't relate to them on that level. It just felt like I was very isolated. So I would only go to my family, but they helped me through it. So I didn't really feel the need to talk to my friends. So. Mm hmm. And yeah, like talk more about like just the environment that you were in, right? You said that there wasn't a lot of people that look like you or maybe experience the same things as you on top of, again, experiencing that objectification. So did you feel 
like, how did you navigate that emotionally? Like knowing that, okay, well, I have my family, I have people who understand me and are there to protect me and support me. But going to school every day, there are just people around me who may not get it or understand it. How did you get to a point where you kind of shifted mindset and said, hey, like, this has nothing to do with me? Because especially as a child, it's very hard to not take it personally or to, because you don't have a perspective outside of what's going on, right? How did you get to that point where you're like, this has nothing to do with me? And, you know, whatever they did or how they thought is not a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was, I think, during high school. I was actually in middle school in grade seven. And then my transition to high school is when I started to get less insecure about myself. And it took me just literally going to school with a short sleeve one day. And then from then I was like, I went to school. Nobody was looking at me anyhow. Nobody was judging me. Nobody was like, you know, saying anything to me that would make me like that I thought people would. Right. So that kind of altered my mindset. And I'm like, wow, hmm, nobody really cares about you the way that you think people care about you. Like everyone is more subconscious or if that's the right word. Everyone is more conscious about their own self rather than the next person. So that really helped me to move into high school because then I started to think more about myself and I stopped worrying about what other people thought of me. And I started wearing the clothes I wanted and I was happy because nothing was happening. So I don't know why I had such a fear in the first place that I would be judged or that I would be sexualized because of what I was wearing. I mean, you get stares every once in a while, of course, but um, it didn't really bother me because I was happy in the way that I looked. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like a testament to how much environment is so important, right? Like simply just leaving that middle school environment, getting into a different space where, again, people may have insecurities and things, but they're kind of dealing with it, like you said, on their own accord and they're more conscious about themselves as opposed to you. When you got that sense of more freedom, and it seems like you said you took kind of step by step to to get comfortable within yourself, what did that feel like, that contrast between what your experience in middle school and, and high school? It felt so like almost like a weight just lifted off my shoulders because I can finally just be free. I can be happy. Like, I don't need to worry. Every morning I'll be like picking my clothes like, oh, do I want to wear this? And it got to the point where I'd be repeating clothes because I felt comfortable in them. And it's like, no, I want to be able to show off my style. You know, I have a lot of clothes that I like to wear and I'm not showing it off because I think that it makes me look, you know, some differently than how I would want. So. It was definitely a weight lifted off my shoulder. It felt empowering. I just, I can't, like, if I was still in that, in that closed up cage that I was, then I don't know how I'd be able to be today. Like, I just, I'm really happy that that change happened in my life. So, yeah. And like that, even just the way that you describe it, like initially when you were dressing to how you were being perceived, right? You were dressing down or wearing oversized things because of, wanting to stave off, you know, the attention. But then again, that um, experience in high school shifted in the sense that you were dressing for yourself. And that's like that agency and that autonomy that you got where regardless of what people think, you know, you're happy with it and you're okay with it. And that's all that matters. And there may be people who are in, again, middle school, high school, even listening to this at any point in their life who may have been or may are right now at the place that you were before. What would you say to people who are struggling with that kind of self-perception in regards to their body image and feeling like they can't dress for themselves or, again, experiencing, again, over-sexualization and and objectification as a result of it? What would you say to that person right now who's listening who 
is having a hard time. Mm-hmm. I definitely think when you're trying to overcome anything, it's going to take time and it's going to take step by step. It's not just one thing that you suddenly decide to wear what you want and then you go to school and you're completely fine with it. It's going to take adjustment for sure, but you just have to keep on putting the the motivation towards it. You just have to keep on doing it. I'd say like find one person that you trust and let that person kind of be your anchor. Talk to them in any situation that you feel uncomfortable. For me, that was my family. So when I would go to my family and I'd be like, oh, I don't really want to wear this today. Make sure it's someone that you trust, someone that can be able to uplift you in any situation. And that will just make you feel 10 times better. Like someone that like, you can be like, oh, do I look good in this dress? And they're like, oh, you look amazing. You look beautiful. You know, because even if it's one person validating you, it's it's better than like, you know, a hundred people validating you because that one person, you know them much better. And it's just like, it helps you out a lot when your family is very positive to you or even your friend is very positive to you. It helps to kind of, move your mindset to like, okay, if you're okay with it, then everyone else must be okay with it. So yeah, I'd say find that one person and also just take it step by step, but really get out of your comfort zone. Don't stay in it for too long because then it's going to, you're going to become accustomed to it and you won't be able to change. So. So again, taking it at the pace that's right for them, there's no kind of right or wrong, you know, length of time to get Mm -hmm. there. And as you said, like find the people who respect and value you beyond your physical presentation. Yeah. So I, I did want to talk about that aspect because I know you said it went from I was experiencing this personally to then I realized this is something that has to do outside of me. It's not about me. You know, talking about even beyond the person who's objectifying you, there is like a system in a society that enables that. When we talk about maybe like gendered expectations, right? The way that a young girl is presenting the same expectations may not be on a young boy or or what have you, or they may have different expectations, right? So did you feel that at all going through school, like that it was a gendered expectation or there was a kind of experiences as you as a girl that you were experiencing that maybe young boys weren't or... Oh, yeah, for sure. And I honestly, I blame the school system, especially the dress codes for the school system. They're heavily, heavily, heavily influenced on girls, not boys. I don't even think there's any dress codes for men. They can wear whatever they want. But then girls, you know, you can't wear your skirt too short. You can't wear tank tops. You weren't allowed to wear tank tops in the summer, which ridiculous and crop tops and stuff like that. So it's all tailored to women. Like there's none that I can think of right now that were tailored to men or boys in high school. And that takes a toll on women because it's like you're going to grow up with that mindset that I can't wear these types of things and I can't wear these types of things around boys or around men because they might have some sort of reaction towards that, which is not fair at all. Instead of putting the blame on the women saying that, oh, you can't wear this. How about you say it to the boys and be like, you can't act like this. Like you can't react like that. Like it's just like, it's kind of, and it comes to the point of like allowing the abuser to get away basically. Like we're just, we're feeding into that horrible, horrible stereotype or something like that. Yeah. So I would say that it was heavily tailored towards the girls and that took a toll on me. That took a toll on other girls as well. And that's something that should really change in the school system and not just the school system, but also like even like professionals, professional situations, like even jobs and stuff like that. Like it's in a lot of situations in a lot of areas and we need to change that. 
yeah, talking about again, like that, that societal pressure that to dress a certain way or to act a certain way somehow to invite certain behaviors towards you, right? It goes back to that kind of victim blaming mentality of, you know, what were you wearing? Who are you hanging out with? Why did you go there, right? This idea that the onus is on the person who's experiencing the harm and not the person who is perpetrating the harm, right? And yeah, talking about that in terms of like objectification and like how the people who are objectifying you, did you ever feel like there was any accountability around that? Or did you feel like they, those people who were treating you that way, did you feel like they were in a system that was enabling them to continue? What did you experience on the you know, when you realized that this was happening to you and again, you told your family and that's one thing, but did you ever feel like you ever got any kind of justice or accountability through the school system or what was your experience of talking openly about it and how you were received? I would say that I was very shy. (laughs) That's probably why I kept it inside. I didn't really want to talk because if I talk like, who am I? I'm just like a little seventh grader or ninth grader. So what am I really going to change? What am I going to do? Obviously, I thought it was wrong. My friends thought it was wrong as well. But we didn't really say anything because it's tailored towards men more than women. So what am I going to say? Like, I'm not really going to make an impact, unfortunately. And plus, who exactly would I talk to? I think my principal was a man at that time. So it's like nothing is really in my favor. Like, I I don't want to talk to a man about like, you know, the dress codes because you're a man. You're also you might have also have like that type of reaction as well. So I was definitely bottled up. I feel like I there was a lot of pressure to keep quiet. I feel like something that we might be able to change is to have like, you know, women guidance counselors or like people that you can go to and express your problems and talk to them in a comfort zone, right? Or even like a therapist, like school therapist, like that would be really nice. I would definitely have gone to them about how I'm feeling, about how insecure I was feeling. And hope like they could have made a change in that. So, yeah. And looking back, you, you do realize that it was more so the system itself, not necessarily you and what you had access to. And again, that's a great step in healing, like understanding that it was beyond you. It wasn't something that you necessarily had control over, but also having compassion for yourself and understanding why you made the decisions that you made at the time. So let's kind of fast forward to now, right? Like you've look back and you think of yourself in middle school, you think of yourself in high school. How do you relate to that young girl? You know, like when you look back and how do you feel about yourself in those stages of your life? You know, sometimes I think about it and this is like quite personal into my insecurities, but I'm happy in the body that I am in right now, but also I did gain a lot of weight, so I'm also not quite happy. (laughs) And some things that like I think about all the time is when I was a kid, I, for some reason, thought I was overweight. I don't know where that mentality came from. It might have been because all my peers were like very, very small, very small. But I was very much average, if not less, less than average. Like I was a very small girl. And I grew up pretty small. So I don't know how or why I would think of that. And now that I like coming now to where I am now and knowing how much I gain and how much how different I look, it's like, wow, I can't believe I would ever think that I was less than what I was as a child. And it's like it kind of teaches me that like the situation you're in now, like not necessarily don't take it for granted, but don't think that like you're low or something like that. Like, don't take yourself for granted right now because like, don't think poorly of yourself right now because 
In 10 years, you might be thinking, oh, but I looked perfectly fine 10 years ago. So it's like, it's just a moment of perspective. So it's just like, it's just perspective. You just have to think like, oh, I'm perfectly fine. I don't like, nothing's wrong with you. I love myself. I love myself, even though like I did gain weight, I love myself. And I know 10 years from now, I'll be like, why would you ever not love yourself? You looked amazing, you know? So that's my situation. Yeah. And that's a, like a testament as what you said to perspective that when you're in the the throes of it, like it's very hard to see yourself 10 years from now and looking back, you know, that um, as I say, like hindsight is 2020, you look back and you're like, wow, I, you know, things were much different or, you know, I didn't have any of those, you know, issues that I thought I did. Or maybe again, it was that conditioning or it was that, that societal pressure it was the people that I was around or the environment that I was in, not necessarily anything that had to do with me as an individual. And it seems like the theme here for yourself is that compassion at every stage. And so when you say that, like you are still dealing with, you know, a body image issues and struggles, like how do you practice that compassion for yourself right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I've started this thing. It might be very weird. I love that you asked that question because now I can bring it up. But every day I saw online social media somewhere, but every day, or I try every day, I just stare at myself in the mirror. Like I literally just stare at myself and I look at every single thing that I think is an imperfection about me. And I try to alter my mindset and think that's not an imperfection. That's that's perfect. You know, like you look great. There's nothing wrong about you. And even if there is something wrong about you, everyone has imperfections. Nobody is perfect. So you can't expect expect yourself to be perfect. But I'll just look in the mirror. And normally when I'm getting ready and I'll just stare at myself for at least like I can never do five minutes because it's weird. But like two minutes or like three minutes, I'll stare at myself and I'll just look at everything about me and not criticize, but like uplift every single aspect about me, my nose, my eyes, my eyebrows. I love my eyebrows, <laughs> my best feature, my mouth, my nose, my ears, my hair, everything about me. So it's been really nice because it makes me love myself more and think that I'm, oh, I'm quite beautiful, you know? So I can't let, like, once you love yourself on the inside, like nobody can tell you anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's like an intentional affirming of yourself, like every single piece of yourself and, um, you know, doing that repetitively, it kind of creates those kind of grooves in your mind where it's like, you're more likely to affirm yourself. And also the more you affirm yourself, the less validation you need outside of yourself. You did mention, you know, social media can be a great tool for finding things, but also social media or media in general can be avenue to almost fuel or enable some insecurities and, um, you know, body image issues. So I, I wanted to talk about maybe your relationship to media. Like, how do you, it seems like you have a good curated feed where you can find things that affirm you, but I feel like right now people are super tapped into social media and, and, you know, it's, it's something that we can't necessarily escape. What is your relationship to that? And like, how has media influenced your own body image? And yeah. Yeah. I would say that I come from a different approach I've always grown up like never really having jealousy or never really wanting to be another person. I feel like that just stems from like my family and who I am. I've always loved myself. Like obviously like in the times when I was insecure about my body and like covering up, like that had nothing to do with who I was. I've always just loved myself and me, the outside appearance may be different and there may be some things that I don't like about that but generally I've always loved myself and I never want to change like I never want to look like someone else that's the thing 
with me. I feel like my mindset is more so I can improve on this rather than completely altering my whole identity to look like someone else. I'd rather work on some things that are about me. So when it comes to social media and I see other people or other girls, such as like the Kardashians or like, you know, big figures like that, it's like, oh, like you're living a great life. I would love to live that life, but I would never want to be you. You know what I mean? I don't know exactly how to get that mindset. I've always just grown up like that. Like, I'd never want to be in your body and completely live you. That's like, I don't know. I feel like that's so extreme. Like a lot of my friends, they're like, oh my God, I wish like I was this girl. I wish I had this from her. Like you can want to have something from someone else, but why would you want to be a whole nother person? Like you grew up many, many years in this body that you have. You can instead improve on what you have instead of wanting to change completely. So when I go on social media and I see other girls like that, I'm like, wow, you're beautiful. Um, Let me get that top. Maybe I'll look so good in that top. Let me get that bag. Wow, that bag's going to look so good on me. Those shoes and stuff like that. So it's just like completely like just moving your mindset to like rather than coveting someone's entire identity just like covet what they want or like I mean not what they want what they have you know a big mansion I would want a big mansion but I wouldn't want to be you so that's kind of how I've been and I love that about myself like I don't know I can't really change it because I've grown so accustomed to it Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah I think that like your values are beyond just the physical right like you actually value yourself as as a person to the core and anything external is just like an addition it's like icing on the cake it's not the whole exactly cake. yeah and I think that that's the key piece here that when people start to shift their values from external to internal that the external is just an accessory or just you know a presentation it's not a representation of who you are at the core and that when you're looking at somebody especially on social media people are posting their highlight reel. They're posting, you know, all the good things. You don't know what they had to do to get it, or they you don't know what they're actually feeling inside. They may be very miserable posting a lot of beautiful things, right? So it seems that you have like a great head on your shoulders and you understand the differences of perception isn't always reality. But it seems like it's an intentional practice for you. So affirmations is one piece. Is there other things in your life that you pull in that you think anchor those values for you? Hmm. I'd have to think. That's a good question. Affirmations. I'd say like doing what I love because I feel like um, sometimes I'm quite, sometimes when I am feeling like, oh, I want this from someone else, like I want to live their life. It's like I, I want to take like different routes that I normally would not take. So I feel like just like doing stuff that you love to do, not caring about what other people think of what you do and how you are and how you move yourself around, um, what you say, just being yourself, I guess. If, I don't know if that really answered the question, but yeah, those are some things like I never really cared at all about what people thought of me, like emotionally, maybe physically I might've cared, but like my personality, I never cared at all. And I was just always myself. I'm really happy. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's just a really, really good thing that I love about myself is I tend to do whatever I want and I don't really like to hide myself because someone else might be there. Like, I'm just going to be me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it seems like you have a very strong sense of yourself, again, beyond whatever physical aspects or even if somebody does have a different opinion or a different 
point of view. It's not necessarily something that you adopt. You did talk about community is very important to you. You said your family is very important. Do you still feel like you have that? Of course, family, friends, how do you cultivate community around you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my family is my rock, my foundation. I love them so much. They're the first people that I go to whenever I have a problem, like mainly my sister, because even though I am the youngest by far, by like 12 years, it's just like she, I, I guess that's probably why I also have this foundation of myself is because they taught me a lot of things at a young age, right? If you're 12 years older than me, you have a lot more knowledge than me. So I just always grew up knowing more than what I should as a little kid. Um, and it's made me grow up a lot. It's made me, my mindset change and stuff like that. So I definitely like, it's going to always be family first for me. My friends, the friends that I like to have are friends that I know will not judge me for who I am. And I have those friends and I'm really grateful for them because we all have our own little personalities. And then when we join together, we're like amazing, like loving, like people that the best humor, like it's just it's funny to be around them all the time and I can be myself around them, which is what I love. So and I can be even more of myself around my family. So I just love to be with people that. I know will not judge me. I know that I can express myself how I want in different ways. And I know that at the end of the day, they'll still love me. So when I look at a friend or in my like talking stage of being with a friend, the number one thing I look at is like, oh, like, do I feel uncomfortable with you or do I feel comfortable with you? And if I don't, I'm just not going to be your friend because I don't want to allow that energy into my life. I feel like life is way too short to be around people that you can't even be yourself around. So, yeah, it seems like authenticity is like a very big value for you, not just in terms of how you view yourself, but the people you surround yourself with. And again, there may be people who are listening to this who have not been able to build community or maybe have experienced harm from their community, people who they thought were trustworthy or supportive, who, again, showed them that they're not or, or again, they're not necessarily ready, again, especially if you've been betrayed by somebody you're close to or you haven't um, experienced that trust and respect. How do you get to that place where you're confident in yourself to be able to open yourself up? Because vulnerability is very hard, especially just within, but also trying to seek and attract people who also have, who are also, you know, good community. How do you cultivate that and how do you seek it out? What are some of the traits that you look for in people beyond, again, how you feel around them? More so in terms of people who are having a hard time seeking community, especially if you've experienced harm from people who you thought were you were close to, or especially in the context of, you know, sexual or gender-based violence, you know, if you've experienced harm from people directly in your family or your community, how do you get to a point where you're ready to seek community or, you know, find people to get close to and and experience trust with? Yeah, I definitely take, I think it takes a lot of looking at your own self and being accepting who you are first because you can't really have a community you can't be with other people if you don't love yourself like you can't love another person if you don't love yourself first so it definitely takes time to build up that confidence in yourself doing mindfulness exercises I'd say would help as well just like and affirmations and stuff like that just to be able to build your confidence and it's obviously it's not going to take one day it's going to take some time I do like to listen to podcasts like right when I wake up 
the number one podcast I like to listen is like the psychology of your 20s or something like that. And it helps me understand more about like how I may think of some certain situations and what it has to do with psychology. So I like to listen to podcasts and every day like they give a little bit to me and it just boosts my confidence because I'm already at a confidence level of like 70. So it just every single day it keeps adding to me and keeps adding to me and keeps adding to me. So definitely taking that time putting time aside for yourself as well to be able to build up that love and confidence for yourself. And once you do, you don't even have to go out there. People will come to you. You'll attract people that are more like you or even like people with opposite personalities you'll attract. And people that, people will come to you. Like people will come and you just kind of have to be yourself. And what you are is what you're going to attract. So just um, take the time to build that up. In any way that you want, you can meditate, you can do the podcast thing that I like to do, the affirmations, looking at yourself in the mirror, all those different things. Um, you can also research more about it, but taking those times to build it up. And then once you do, even if you haven't completely built it up, like I said, I'm, a, I'm still at like 80 or 70. Even if you haven't completely built it up, people will, you'll still attract people. You just have to go to those places where you'll attract them and people will come to you. The friends that I made, I don't know how I made them because I am shy. Like, I'm not shy, but like, I don't normally go up to people. So once again, just how you are, if you're yourself and you're not trying to fake it for anything, it's just going to attract whatever you want. So so just being more in tune with your own self, your own values, what is important to you, and then naturally you'll be able to even recognize what's good for you. Yeah. And in terms of what you said, like it's 70, 80 right now, but it's always a work in progress and it's kind of like a muscle that you have to build. How do you deal with those kinds of ebbs and flows when you're kind of in a funk or you're not in a place where you you know, want to do all the good affirmations and sometimes it's a bit harder that morning to do that? How do you kind of get out of that? Because um, that's also a hard thing for people to go through is that they think there's a specific destination that they need to get to and not the journey itself. How do you get yourself out of those kind of funks or out of those kind of ruts of, oh, I don't want to do this today or I'm too tired or or I'm just not in the place to do it right now? Yes, I love that question because I can kind of relate it to like wanting to go to the gym or like wanting to lose weight. Like it's something that you you don't have a choice. You do have a choice, of course. But like, if you really want to see the end goal and you really want to see the progress happening, then you just kind of need to do it. And for me, for my example, I was trying to go to the gym. That stopped. <laughs> so I kind of alternated it. Instead of going to the gym, I would take a daily walk in the morning. So like kind of lowering, if you really can't go through with it every single day, it's kind of too much. You can reduce it or you can even change it completely to something more that you can cope with. I'd also say with like, let's say you were trying to lose weight every single day. You just have to think of the end goal, right? Because that's where you're trying to go to. You can't don't think of the progress that you have to make to go to it. Just think of the end goal. This is what I want. I want it really bad. So I'm going to do it today. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And that's going to really help you out because you're not just thinking of the bad. You're thinking of the good that you're going to get at the end of the rainbow, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So that's my advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the discipline before the motivation, instead of 
finding the motivation first to get the discipline. Okay. And doing it in a way, even if you're tired, even if you're bored, even if you're not really feeling it. Um, and also adjusting, right? Because again, not everyone's at 100% every day. You kind of adjust it based off of what you can take. If it's only a, a walk in the morning or if it's only, you know, 10 minutes at the gym, at least you got that 10 minutes in um, and using it as like a kind of momentum building. That's great advice, you know, just letting people take it at the pace that's right for them. But again, it seems like there's also that aspect of that internal blockage, right? There's the things that you may have access to may, may not, but also sometimes people deal with like shame and guilt of, you know, not being where they want to be at or feeling like they have to get to a certain point. How do you deal with those kinds of emotions? Because that can be really hard for people to not only recognize, but push through. How do you deal with things like shame or, or guilt or feeling like you're not at the place that you want to be at? I'd say that I've definitely felt that a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of times where I'm like, Huh, like I just want to get to where I want to be like tomorrow, you know, like I, I can't wait this out anymore. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin and stuff like that. And honestly, these feelings, I don't have anything else to say, but it goes away. Like, I don't know, for me personally, I'll be feeling really, really, really upset about the way I'm looking one day. And then the next day I feel like I'm the most gorgeous person on the planet. So it's very alternating, but it doesn't just stick with you. Like it's definitely going to go away. It just takes time, I guess. Like when you're really feeling that way, I like to be alone and sometimes I'll just sleep it off and then I'll wake up perfectly fine. But that might just be me. So I don't want to give that advice to another person. Personally, I think that just reflecting on your emotions, even having like a journal, having a journal to write all these things down so that when you are feeling and oh, if you write it down, Everything that you're feeling, I would recommend writing the opposite of that. So let's say, I don't like the way I'm looking. You can then write, I look beautiful. Even just faking your emotions, like at the end of the day, you will start to feel those emotions. Because the more you fake something, the more you tend to believe it. Yeah, fake so, it till you make it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I would say that that really helps out. I haven't personally done that because my feelings just go away. I don't know why, but they just go away. Maybe I will start doing that journaling trick because fake it till you make it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that like, again, the key theme here is the compassion that you have for yourself that you say like, I'm feeling this emotion. I'm not this emotion. Right. So I think that sometimes people get stuck with that. Like, oh, I'm. I am shameful, not I'm feeling shame right now, right? Like I'm who I am and that feeling is going to pass through me. And it seems that you have like a good relationship or healthy understanding of what emotions could look like and how fickle they can be. Again, you can wake up one morning and feel awful. And by the end of the day, you feel great, right? Or vice versa, right? So yeah, it seems like that's a great piece of advice, right? Letting people know that your feelings aren't final, that they can ever be changing and um, you can be ever evolving as well. So yeah, talking about, again, getting to where you're at right now, feeling like you have an understanding of your relationship to yourself. And of course, it's a work in progress and, and it's never a final destination. How do you get to a point where you're ready to, again, speak about it? Because it's one thing to understand in your own personal journey and everyone has their own internal story that they or narrative that they have inside. What compelled you to feel like I'm ready to speak about this and be at the place to to be open and public about it. Honestly, I like I tell my friends this all the time, like all the time, because um, I feel like 
out of like a lot of my friends, I'm kind of like the person to go to like when you have problems, like because I'm a really good listener. I'd say I'm more of a listener than a speaker. I would tell like my friends and even my family, like I'm out here helping my mom with any situations that she have and I has. And I feel like I'm kind of the more realistic friend that like isn't just going to be all, you know, happy, go lucky, everything is fine. Like obviously things happen in life. So I'm more of the realistic friend and I feel like that helps people out a lot because I've seen a lot of my friends, like they have gotten help in a lot of tough situations from things that I've told them or resources that I've given them. So if I can do that to my friends, I hope that I can do that to anybody else, right? So being on this podcast, like I just want anybody out there who was feeling, who might've had the same situations that I did, even when I was younger, even now, um, just to know how I kind of coped with that and how I was able to alleviate some of those troubles in my life and hopefully take some of the advice that I gave today to heart because I know it works for me and it might work for someone else. It might not work for someone else, but I know that there has to be at least one person that it could work for. So really putting my ideas and my thoughts out there, I know would be very helpful because everyone, everyone in this world is just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. getting help from the next person would be pretty useful. So I'm happy that I came here and I was able to put some words out there. Yeah. And thank you so much for taking the time. I feel like you're kind of paying it forward. What you've learned in your own journey, you're passing it on to somebody else and hopefully they can pass it on to another person and kind of have that chain reaction of healing. And it seems like, again, you have like a very great, compassionate view of yourself and a lot of emotional intelligence. So thank you so much for for taking the time to talk about your experience. And thank you, Agape. Oh, thank you. This was great. Thank you for listening to Voices Must Be Heard. This podcast is funded by the Telus Friendly Future Foundation. The Telus Friendly Future Foundation is a registered charity committed to youth with 100% of the proceeds directly funding Canadian charities. We'd like to thank Telus for providing us with the opportunity to center young survivors throughout this podcast. We'd also like to thank Pop-Up Podcasting for editing and production and the Sexual Assault Support Centre of Ottawa Team and Young Women Programme. We'd also like to thank all of the numerous survivors who were brave enough to share their stories throughout this project. For more information about Sask Ottawa services, including our Young Women program, visit our website at saskottawa.com forward slash services or follow us on all platforms at Sask Ottawa or at Sask Ottawa Young Women program. All links and descriptions are provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening.